Unique, yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen Sports Talk. All right, it is my pleasure to welcome back to the show one of my favorite guests. She is Jamie Say, the sports director at WKMG News 6. Jamie, great to have you back. Jeff, thank you for having me back on your podcast. I always enjoy talking sports with you because we always talk about the bills. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and we have to lead off. Well, before I lead off with that, I have to. I, I, you occurred to me the last time you were on the show, and, and you uh, joined me from the uh, the Channel Six compound. Yes, you had been like just ten minutes off the air and already changed from the dress you were on air into your casual wear. And I'm thinking, I need you to teach that superpower to my wife. Boom. You know what? You just get into the phone booth, spin around a couple times, and then you're you're ready to go. You're ready for whatever situation. <laughs> yeah, there, you, there you go. That's a great skill. Though, so, yeah. Sure. Um, so let's talk about your Buffalo Bills. So, you know, awesome. scandalizingly close uh, last year. You know, yeah. the, the game against Kansas City was an epic all timer for sure. Uh but now you you go into the season again as as a potential favorite to go all the way. So I'm sure your excitement level is beyond the top of the scope. Yeah, it's through the roof. I mean, it's through the roof. I can't remember when I've been this excited. I mean, I was excited last year because I knew that they would be pretty good. And I knew that, you know, there was a chance maybe they could get to the conference championship and then to the Super Bowl. Like they they had they had something there, but now, you know, with just all the preseason expectations and everything and what they were able to do last year and just, just the strength of the team, kind of how they got better as they went along. And, you know, the game against the chiefs was a gut punch. Um, but you have to stop Travis Kelsey. You have to stop <laughs> Travis Kelsey. I, I'm not one who, laments the coin toss you know it's that's the rule you know that's the rule you got to live with it the bills had the game had the lead with 39 seconds to go you should you should be able to close it out although the defenses were exhausted but you should be able to close it out you know the chiefs are going to go to travis kelsey (laughs) and he had mahomes had the two big completions to him and it was just like no you know so that was tough, but the defense was gassed. Um, this year, those guys are back, better, and then they add Von Miller. And they add, um, you know, a running back in James Cook through the draft. Um, I'm really excited. I'm really excited. I, their schedule's hard, though. I mean, it's a tough schedule. So they might take some losses, but I think by the time January rolls around, as long as they're healthy, you know, I think they're the best team in the AFC. I really do, because I, I don't think they lost much. And I don't think they lost much, but what they added lifts them up with Von Miller. Yeah, yeah, that's for so, sure. It's amazing. It's amazing. So and uh, Gabriel Davis is going to have a big year. I really I firmly believe it. And I think I think his coaches believe that, too. I mean, you can see him last year, you know, he made all these great catches and then in the Kansas City game, it was it, it wasn't really his coming out party for for the Bills, but it might have been for the nation to see what yes. kind of guy this is. Yeah, exactly. You know, Bills fans knew about him, um, you know, his rookie season, because uh, I believe Emmanuel Sanders two years ago went down with injury. Um, St- no, actually, Stefan Diggs was injured a couple two years ago that so some veteran guys got nicked up and Gabe would go in 
and perform and make important catches. Maybe they weren't all touchdowns, but they were important first down catches for the Bills in his rookie season. Last year, it felt like he was almost odd man out at times, um, you know, because the Bills went with Diggs, Isaiah McKenzie and Emmanuel Sanders. And then but they have this incredible talent in Gabe on the sideline. But then that Kansas City game in the playoffs, they they put him in here there and he showed what what we know he can do. <laughs> and he showed the the nation what he can do. Like he's so big and strong and has such great hands. And, you know, he also for a big guy, he also has great speed. And we knew that from UCF. So yeah, I think the coaches knew it. I think one of the telling things about his role this year was that he didn't they sat him in preseason game number one, along with the rest of their starters. So, you know, maybe he won't be that starting guy, but, you know, if they only go with two receivers, but the Bills are going to, the Bills are going to put three receivers out there. I think he's going to be a starter this year. Yeah. And I, I also think of him, there's two guys I think of now uh, who might be the best at making the sideline catch with the toe tap. Probably him and Michael Gallup of the Cowboys are exceptional mm -hmm. at that. And yep. uh, he, he made some tremendous catches. Yeah, he did. He did. And, you know, they they don't show up all the time in the stat sheet in terms of touchdown, but they're important first down catches, um, big chunk, chunk plays and stuff like that. I mean, and he just works so hard. I just remember him at UCF staying late, you know, putting in extra time after practice, after camp, to get himself ready for not only the UCF season, but also the NFL. And I am sure he's putting in extra work, you know, up there in Buffalo too. And I really, I really believe he and Josh Allen are going to develop a great chemistry this year. Yeah. So I'm fired up. I, and I think the Bills run game is going to be better too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm really, really excited as long as they stay healthy, but their schedule is really hard. Actually, the first half there's I mean, they start off with the Rams, you know, on Thursday night, they're at, they're in LA and then, then they've got a, um, a home game against the Titans who could, you know, if you've got a healthy Derrick Henry. It's like, okay, if Derrick Henry is healthy, the Bills struggled stopping him, you know, during regular season games. So it's it's a and and they're at the Chiefs. They've got the Packers at home. So their first eight games are pretty tough. The second half of the season, a little a little bit easier. I think that's when they they might get the Jets twice in there, you know. So, um, but they've got a game uh, with the Bengals too. So that's going to be very telling. That's that's in January. So it'll be interesting. So their, their record might not be off the charts, but if it is, I mean, great for them, but it, it's a tough schedule. Yeah. Just get in the tournament essentially too. And you know, with, and with the firepower they have, they're dangerous. Exactly. And they almost, you know, they almost went at Arrowhead, you know, they almost went at Arrowhead. They didn't need home field advantage, you know, throughout the playoffs last year. They were so close at winning at Arrowhead in the playoffs. Obviously, they want teams to come to Buffalo in January, though, because it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you definitely. Yeah, you definitely. That that is a home field that's a whole whole different level. That's for sure. Oh my God, you never know what you're gonna get. Like the you know the snow could be sideways. You don't know. It could you know it'll be frigid. It's gonna be frigid no matter what. So, 
Yeah. It's tough. And cold up there is colder than cold elsewhere, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Then you like you factor in the wind chill. I mean, it's. It's cold. I mean, it's Green Bay cold, you know, Green Bay is similar. Green Bay is on one of the Great Lakes. Buffalo is on one of the Great Lakes. You just get this awful wind chill that, you know, it might be it might be 10 degrees out you know, 12 degrees out in January and then wind chill takes it to, to zero. Yeah. I might uh, be exaggerating a little bit, but it's, <laughs> but it could be 20 degrees and it'll take it to like, it feels like five degrees temperature. Yeah. yeah it's tough. Yeah. So. No, no question. <laughs> so of course I, I, I figure you probably watched the bills preseason game and I find it very interesting how overreactions come out of the preseason because everybody's freaking out about Tom Brady, not being a camp. And then, and then you have Kenny Pickett, you know, who who you know rallies the Steelers to a victory, and they're talking Super Bowl, you know. Yeah. How how to how has this gotten so out of control with the preseason? Well, people are people are so hungry for football because they miss it so much. It's just like, yeah, I'm extremely happy the Buffalo Bills won their opener, but they won it with guys who aren't going to play. You know, but it's like, and they, you know, I thought Case Keenum to start the game through some good balls and then the Bills started turning it over or whatever. It's like, yeah, I don't, I just think people are just so amped up for football. Now, Brady, it's like, okay, it's unusual for a guy to step away in camp. If he's not holding out, it's unusual. So it's like, okay, you know, there could be some panic. How committed is he? He retired, he comes back. He makes comments to, I think, it, I'm not sure which magazine it was. Maybe it was GQ. I'm not sure where it was. But he made comments like he wished he, he, wished he had more time to decide whether to retire or not. But he felt like he had to put the Bucks in the best situation to let them know, okay, I'm coming back or I'm not coming back. So with that, it's like, okay, but he'll be fine. And once the season starts, once the games that count actually start, he's going to be all in. Yeah, because that's the competitive competitor he is. But yeah, it is kind of ridiculous, like how people get caught up in preseason games. Like, you know, even with the Hall of Fame game, when the Jags played the Raiders and neither team had practiced really more than a week, if a week, and the Raiders looked phenomenal with, I think it was Jarrett Stidham at quarterback. It's like, oh, watch out for the Raiders. That's <laughs> it. You know, watch out for them. And the Jags are going to be the Jags. So I don't know. Yeah, the only thing I, fun. the only thing I think you can tell out of out of preseason, particularly where quarterback play is concerned, it's hard to tell who's really really good, but you can tell who's really bad because if those yes. guys can't beat third stringers of guys that aren't going to be on the team, then exactly. you know something there, right? <laughs> exactly. So it's like you know Kyle Trask the other night against the Dolphins played pretty well. I mean he, you know he turned it over twice. One of the 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 interception was kind of a freak thing. It bounces off bodies and the guy gets it. And then, you know, his fumble looked like, you know, his arm wasn't going forward at at that moment, but he was about to pass. But it's like, you know, he looked pretty good. He looked pretty good against the Dolphins and got him uh, the Bucks, you know, to in in position to win the game. So, like, there's that. But still, he's against third stringers. So, yeah, you just (laughs) – but, yeah, but you're right. Like, Bad quarterbacks will shine through. <laughs> yeah. And I'm amazed at how bad the quarterbacking has gotten in the NFL. I mean, yes. you, you, you look you look at your team with an elite quarterback. You know, I'm a Cowboys fan. We have Dak Prescott, who's near elite. I wouldn't I wouldn't put him in elite yet. Yes. But 
but you look at you look at that, and then you look at guys like you know, Blake Bortles has to be better than half the guys that are backing up in this league. And you, you wonder, <laughs> think you would think, but I don't know what's going on with Blake. I mean, he never he's never able to stick with one team, you know. So, but yeah, you would think. I mean, he's got the experience, but. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm comfortable with the Bills back up in Case Keenum. Matt Barkley is back, but you don't want that to fall on him. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Bucks' backup quarterback is Blaine Gabbard. <laughs> like that's frightening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You yeah, know, there's yeah. a lot of evidence to, for that frightening, frightful feeling too. <laughs> yeah, and then and then you've got a situation like in Carolina where you've got Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield. You know, two top three draft picks. And it's like, yeah, okay. You know, <laughs> all right. No, there's no clear cut better quarterback there. Although it sounds like Baker will probably win the job. I don't know. But it's like, okay. You know, what happened to these guys? Yeah, it's, it is, it is crazy, especially in a league that, you know, is so quarterback driven. It's mm-hmm. like all the it's like all the movie stars are retiring, you know. It's like yes, yeah. <laughs> but here the Panthers have two guys who are top three picks, and it's still like yeah, the Panthers aren't going to be very good this year because they don't have an elite quarterback. Yeah, Baker Mayfield was what number one pick. He's not elite unless he was just in the wrong situation. But I don't know if Carolina's the right situation. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. He would have to land. He would have to land somewhere else to probably prove that uh, for sure. So yeah. we're coming up on college football too. UCF getting ready for a year or two under Gus Malzahn. So, what was your what was your overall so after time to think about it now? You know, what was your overall assessment of his first season? And you know, what do you think about how things are progressing with the Knights going into year two? Yeah, I mean, I think. You know, when you're talking, you lose your starting quarterback to injury, and then you lose your top running back in Isaiah Bowser to a chunk of games in the season, and you still win nine games. Um, I thought last year was a success. And obviously, they had to win that bowl game to truly make it a success, and they did. And they dominated the Gators. You know, I think think it says a lot that, you know, so many guys played in that game for UCF – And they played for Gus. You know, I think one thing he did was he won the team over. He won the team over. And then to win nine games, I mean, you know, for Mikey Keene to go out there, a true freshman, totally wet behind the ears, and to maneuver ways to win games. Like, I credit credit the Knights defense. I credit the run game. And then I credit, like, playmakers like Orion O'Keefe those guys who really came through. I mean, I, so I say last season was a success because of the injuries. <clears throat> now they need to stay injury free. They need to stay healthy and they have to, I think they have to win 10 games this year. I think they have to go double digits because if you look at their schedule, it's extremely favorable. You know, they, I don't think they play a game outside of Florida until week six, you know, their only road game in their first like five or six weeks of the season is at FAU. So it's, and I think they play three games out of the state of Florida. I mean, so I, you know, I, I, they need to make a step up. They need to take a step up now, you know, Cincinnati should be pretty good again. They're going to be good again, even though they'll miss Desmond Ritter and sauce Gardner Houston will be good because they've got, you know, probably the best returning quarterback in the league in Clayton tune. And those, those two guys are, those two teams are on, 
UCF schedule, but you know, and then I, and then they have SMU and I'd like to see a better showing against SMU this time around, but I'm excited, but you know, and then, and then they've got Louisville again, which will be tough Mm. because Malik Cunningham's back. Um, But I think they need to win 10 games, you know, just the hype around them. Um, You know, they have some shortcomings, I think, you know, question marks on defense. And I'm sure you've talked about it just at linebacker. You know, they have no experience really at linebacker, but they bring in these transfers. So we'll see what kind of quality guys. But Gus did a great job with the transfers last year. You know, like, uh, you know, Isaiah Bowser comes back to lead the team in rushing transfer. Uh, Big Cat Bryant comes back, you know, transfers from Auburn, leads the team in sacks. And then there was the, uh, what, the FCS kid, um, I I think from Kennesaw State, Kennesaw State, who was Mm -hmm. one of the leading tacklers before he got injured for UCF. So Gus was able to take those transfers and they really produced. So now he's got more. So it'll be interesting. I think we're going to be talking about a lot of new people this year. Yeah, so I'm and, really excited. Yeah. And they're getting a lot of hype on the recruiting trail. A lot of four stars that, you know, they, they've, they've never had this many four stars uh, come in, come into the team. And I know recruiting star systems can be a little wonky. I mean, they, it's like NFL draft picks. You never know until the rubber hits the road, but you look at the kind of talent they're, that they're bringing in and, and the fact that he is, mining the state of florida which his predecessor did not (laughs) no he didn't like i mean you know scott frost came in and you remember scott frost really hit central florida hard and adrian killens was his first recruit the lightly recruited kid out of mainland but he saw killens ridiculous speed and knew he could fit him in somewhere and then adrian killens you know turned into one of the better Swiss army knife players for UCF that they've had in the last five years, you know, and, and Scott Frost did that. He, he brought in Gabe Davis, you know, he, he, he tried to build that fence around central Florida. And I really think Gus is really securing it right now. And there's a lot of hype in central Florida about UCF and it's trickling down to the high school kids. And yeah, I mean, you really don't need to go out of the state of Florida to build a team. And I think Gus really enjoys that. And his staff has been doing a really good job. Yeah. And what a shot in the arm it was to beat the Gators. That certainly did not hurt their, <laughs> yes. their, their prospects. <laughs> right. Exactly. And it's like, you know, the Gators are down and Florida state has been down. You know, it's, it's not like, you know, yeah, Mike Norvell's coming into his third year in Florida state, but it's not like he's established any consistency at all there, you know, and, and the Gators are down. It's hard, you know, and Billy Napier's learning this area. He's, you know, he's got to forge connections in this area. I'm not sure what he did recruiting wise and Louis, you know, when he was at Louisiana. So he's got to do that. You know, I mean, and Mario Cristobal down in Miami, he's going to have success. Miami's obviously having a lot of success in the recruiting trail, but yeah, why not come to UCF? Um, play for a really respected coach like Gus Malzahn, who got his team over into a national championship game. Yeah, and and of course the the move to the Big Twelve is another factor. There, absolutely, they're, they're, you get you get a chance to quote unquote play for a a, cha- a championship in the rigged system that currently exists. <laughs> yes, yeah, yep. You know, you win that conference, you go undefeated in that conference. You know, you 
just get in. So. Yeah, yeah, that, that would be that would yeah. be awesome. So, um, so let's uh, chat a little bit about the Orlando Magic. Now, uh, this is going to be an interesting season. I, of course, you know, am amongst many of the fans who are just exasperated with yeah. with this franchise and what they have done, and you know, and they got back into the playoffs and then they blew it up again. Yeah, um, you know, whether they were ever going to be more than a one round, you know, one round team with what they had, it's hard to say. But you know, they've got a long time without being relevant. Uh, yeah, uh, and so so it's nice that they get the number one pick, so more people are looking at them and talking about them and curious to see how Paolo Banquero is going to do. But once the season starts, he's got to play, and the Magic have to win because. You know, the, the Pistons had a lot of buzz last year because they had the number one pick and they take Cade Cunningham and they still weren't very good at all. They, you know, it didn't didn't turn things around. Pistons still have a ways to go to get good. So, you know, they're still not relevant. I mean, I would argue that Houston was more relevant last year with, with Jalen Green because he was so exciting to watch. He was really exciting to watch. Um, they still didn't. Houston still didn't win a lot of games, but, you know, I think this is different, I think, for the Magic. I mean, I think, you know, they blew it up in hopes of getting, of building through the draft for a couple of years, and and they're right there. They might, I, um, before the draft, I got on a Zoom with Jeff Weltman, the president of basketball operations, and I said, you know, heading into year two, these guys are still going to be young. To you, you know, what, what's a successful season? I mean, I, you know, you guys, um, their philosophy wasn't really to win. It was to build these young guys. Is that, is that still the philosophy? You know, do you, you just, is it just to improve? What is it? Or is it to win? He said, well, and he didn't say it was to win again. It was, they need individual improvement and team improvement, but more accountability. Like the mistakes that these young guys made last year with all the turnovers. I mean, they turned the ball over a ton that's got to go away. The shooting has to get better. So, and then I think they're hoping it translates into wins. Although, you know, next year's draft could be very interesting because there's that guy from France that everybody's talking about who could be a franchise changer. So, okay. But I think the magic do have something in place that maybe they're not going to be a really big time winning team. You know, they might win 30 games this year, but they've got, things in place that set them up in future years, like in maybe the next year or the year after that, they've got salary cap room to go sign guys next summer. If the guys want to come play here, they've got tradable assets, you know, they've got attractive con contracts, you know, so they can free, you know, they can make trades that they have room to make moves and some of these young guys, like Franz Wagner, was good. Jalen Suggs, I think, is going to have a much better year. He was injured. You know, he missed a lot of games. They're the fifth, the number five guy. Um, uh, yeah, the guy who they took at number five uh, the year before. He, but he missed a lot of games. I think, I think he'll figure it out. Like he, I think he spent a, most of the season just trying to figure figure out the NBA, how hard he has to play, what he has to do. Like, cause he plays hard. His motor doesn't quit, but, um, and then Franz just seemed natural. So I think, I think they do have some pieces there that they might have something in a couple of years. 
Yeah. Tough sell to the fan base, though, because, you know, they're they're yeah. you know, because the fan base is probably, well, you've been telling me we're this close to being close for 10 years. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like last year, last year, you know, we knew what they were doing. All the fans knew what they were doing. It was like, OK, you know, they weren't tanking or anything like that. They weren't. But the team wasn't built to win games, you know, the t- at that time. They were so young. They were built to make their mistakes and grow. So it's like, you know, why buy a ticket if you know they're not probably not going to win the game? Although, you know, they really showed a lot of fight in a lot of games. Like, the, you know, they were blown out in some, but they never stopped playing hard, which was good. And I think that you attribute that to because they're so young, because they are hungry, they're prideful, and they do have a really good chemistry off the court. Like, these guys genuinely like each other. Like, there's no... There's no fractures in the locker room, you know, or, or anything like that. I think they all just want to get better. And so I think they do have something there, but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. And, we, but, I, but I don't think they'll win more than 30 games this year. Yeah. It's, <laughs> so. it's a, it's a tough pill. I know. I, I kind of also think too, you know, if like one of these guys could really become a superstar and mm-hmm. be able to help attract other superstars. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think that they're going to have to eventually get to that point, I think. Yeah. And maybe it's Paolo Banquero. You know, maybe maybe he has like this phenomenal rookie season or maybe he shows signs where, you know, OK, this guy is going to be special. And he's such a great leader that guys want to come play with him, Yeah, you know, and. And, and so that will be a pitch instead of, well, we have no state taxes. <laughs> you know, we got beautiful weather, no state taxes, great building plan. You know? <laughs> yeah, when you make as much money as NBA players, the no state taxes thing really doesn't. Like, they don't think about that so much. You think about it a little bit, but that's always been the pitch. But it's like, no, we have Paolo Banquero. Yeah. And we've got and we've got Jalen Suggs. And it's like, you know, we need another we need another piece, you know, um, and, and, and this and that. So, yeah. so we'll um, see. Yeah. Uh, so, of course, you're the sports director at Channel 6. And, you know, so, you know, you're not just showing up on the TV twice a night to, to give the sports. You have a lot of things you have to do. So what are the, you know, as, as being the sports director, what, what are your favorite things about what you do? Well, I, I think I, number one thing, I love going to games. You know, I love being where the action is. I love going to games. I like going to practice and I like doing the interviews and meeting um, the athletes and the coaches. And sometimes it's not even athletes and coaches. It's, you know, the people that make situations special. You know, I've been able to do some stories on some UCF fans, you know, and and they're part of what makes the UCF experience unique, you know, diehard fans. Just so I really enjoy meeting people around the things I cover. So number one, just going to events, going to practices. I love going to like the Arnold Palmer Invitational. I'm going to enjoy the races coming up at Daytona. Like that's awesome. But the other thing, the other thing from just a sports director standpoint is when me and my team, Ryan Welch, the weekend guy and Nathaniel Rivas are um, our number three guy, the, when we come up with some plan, you know, to cover something, to cover something a little special and it works out really well, that gives me great satisfaction. You know, and we've had a couple of those times where, you know, Ryan is out in the field with Nathaniel and they score a big interview. And it's just, it, it's exactly how 
we wanted it to go. And, and, you know, like with sports and, and things in life, you can't always plan for everything. So you just go with the hope, like, hopefully this works out when it works out. That's extremely satisfying, you know? So I, from a sports director standpoint, when, when we have kind of a plan and it works out, that's one of my favorite parts. It's like, okay, success, you know, me and my team got it done. Yeah. So I like that. Yeah. yeah. And then and then you look at all the events that you guys cover, you know, that's got to be a pretty, uh, pretty big spreadsheet yeah. to keep track of. <laughs> it's awesome. You know, like, I mean, Orlando is awesome, you know, because it's it's like, yeah, we don't have pro football and we don't have a pro baseball team. But, you know, the magic keep us busy in the winter. But then we can also look forward to the Daytona 500 and the Arnold Palmer Invitational and then soccer in the spring. But then, you know, our high school sports scene is so good. We've got signing day in December and February. we got to keep track of that. Um, the Buccaneers suddenly are relevant. You know, we keep track of their Super Bowl runs and, you know, we'll, we go to those. So it's been awesome. And then, and honestly, fall is my favorite time of year because of college football on Saturday, sometimes Thursday and Friday too. Um, <laughs> then, uh, you know, NFL on Sunday, but also the high school football on Friday. Like, it's awesome. Yeah, I like Central Florida is a really, I feel like it's underrated as a sports market. Like, I love it. You know, I've yeah. been here 12 years and I love it. Yeah, you kind of get the best of both worlds because, you know, like in small markets, I mean, high school is probably it, you know, and then you have the major markets where it's, you know, four pro teams. So you kind of get a good mix of both. Yeah, it's yeah, we we get everything. I mean, from the high school to the college to pro. Like it's it's perfect. I mean, and it it keeps us busy enough. I mean, and then there's downtime in the summer where we can kind of catch our breath and everything like that, but it's it's a great place to be. Like I love it. And and the thing is, it's like I love covering high schools because that's where I started. You know, like when I started my career however many years ago you know i worked in market 175 and all we would do is cover high school sports and it was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun getting to know you know these athletes and their parents who truly appreciated the coverage and you know you just you just rooted for them um so i still love covering high school sports and uh you know other other things just stories about um kind of the human spirit you know that that sports springs out yeah that's yeah. phenomenal yeah. yeah and of course uh it's no secret that you're that you're a springsteen fan uh <laughs> i think that's pretty well known so you know what what started your fandom for the well you know i'm an 80s kid so um i was like seven or eight years old when the born in the usa album came out um in 1984 and you know it, it just it blew up. I mean, it was, you know, it was that and, you know, it went Michael Jackson's Thriller and then Born in the USA came out and everybody was listening to it. So when I was a kid, that was, you know, that was my album. You know, I remember getting the cassette in my stocking for Christmas and just I just played it over and over and over again. And in uh, my my tape deck or my my Walkman and everything. And I just loved him then. And then uh you know, and then he put out another album a couple of years ago called Tunnel of Love, and it was much different, but I still enjoyed it. But as a kid, I didn't understand exactly what it's about, um, you know, because like his his all of his albums have some sort of meaning to it and theme. So Tunnel of Love was a little, you know, was was different from Born in the USA. But really, like 
it, it took my first Springsteen concert. The first one I went to um, with the E Street Band wasn't until 2009 because I didn't have any money to buy concert tickets until like 2009. And it just, the energy just blew me away. It was addicting. So it was like, I, I went to a show in Albany, New York in 2009. Then like four days later, I'm like, you know, right after that show, the next day I got tickets to a show in DC. And my friend and I drove down to DC to see another show because it was amazing. And that's, that's how it really started. Just the energy at his concerts, you know, and the show he puts on, how hard he works and his band. It's just, there's nothing like it. It's like being at a sporting event when your team's winning. Yeah. Okay. Okay. How many many concerts have you been to? So for Springsteen, it's been like 27 or 28. Wow. So since 2009, um, yeah, 27 or 28, something like that. So then, you know, he's coming to play Orlando in February. So I've got tickets to that. I got my tickets um, a couple days before he'll be in Tampa. I've got tickets to that show. So I've seen him twice in Florida in February. And then I got tickets to a show of his in Albany in March. So <laughs> That's awesome. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's interesting too, because, you know, I, I went to the, the McCartney concert here and, nice. and, and, and it was awesome. The fact, you know, my God, if I could have half his age when I'm, when I'm 80, that's a win. Right. Yeah. Um, but then, but then, at his final show in Jersey, Bruce is there. <laughs> yeah. How awesome that, is that? Yeah. No, I met. Yeah, I met some people who were at the show too. Like they were this this one guy. Um, he's like, yeah, I'm a huge McCartney fan. My my kids surprised me with tickets for Father's Day to McCartney, and Bruce Springsteen shows up. So they were there. It's just like, wow, super jealous. Yeah, about that one. Super <laughs> jealous, but yeah, I love McCartney too. It's just like he's so good, and you know, it's nice to see these guys like they're inspirational because they don't slow down, and they can still they can still perform really well. Um, you know, McCartney's eighty, Bruce Springsteen seventy two, and yeah. it's like they're still doing their thing. Yeah, God bless them for that. That's for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, well, as always, it's great having you on. So you know. Please plug anything you would like to plug. Uh, I will. Yeah, you just tweet it out. Oh, pl- oh, for me. Oh, yeah. yeah. After the whistle. That's right. After the whistle, our Saturday night show is back. So you know it's going to really, um, really kick into gear once the college football season starts. But we've already started it, so we'll be kind of counting down to the college football season, keeping track of UCF, the Gators, Seminoles, and Miami Hurricanes. Um, but really it, it gets into the flow truly September 3rd, the first Saturday of college football. We'll be at the Utah, Florida football game, have live reports. So after the whistle is every Saturday night at 1135 on A6. So yes, thank you. Of course. Yeah, anytime. Yeah. That's a, that's a, I can't pay you. So I got to lease like, Oh, that's so. fine. Yeah. Yeah. No, I took me, it took a second <laughs> for it to register for. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Jamie, as always, I do appreciate it. No, thank you, Jeff. This was always fun. I always enjoy coming on, talking about the bills with you. Outstanding. (laughs) All right, now let's close things out with a TV theme.
right, that theme from a very short-lived sitcom called Angie, which was about a uh, Italian-American coffee shop waitress, Angie Falco, starting a romance with customer Bradley Benson, a pediatrician. While she assumes that he's a struggling, struggling young doctor, he reveals he's actually rebelling against his wealthy family. And uh, interesting cast of characters on this show. Many names you will recognize. Uh, again, it ran on ABC uh, basically from early 1979 uh, into midway of uh, 1980. No, check that. February 79, September 1980. So uh, it was also credited, uh, created by Gary Marshall as part of his uh, Miller Milkus Productions uh, in association with Paramount Television. So anyway, getting back to the cast of characters, uh, Angie, of course, is played by Donna Pascal. You might remember her from Saturday Night Fever as she had a, a prominent role in that movie. Playing Bradley Benson was one Robert Hayes. Yes, before Airplane and uh, what he became famous for that. Teresa Vaco is Angie's uh, mother and she was played by Doris Roberts. So yes, Doris Roberts had a head start in playing the mother gig before landing Everybody Loves Raymond. Uh, Marie Falco uh, is a younger daughter, uh, Angie's younger sister. Uh, Deborah Lee Scott, she was, of course on, was on Welcome Back, Cotter. Dee Dee Malloy is played by Diane Robin. Joyce Benson is uh, Brad's uh, older sister. Uh, so yeah, a lot of uh, interesting names that uh, was in that show. Angie, again, that was an ABC sitcom from 1979 and 1980. And with that, we are done here. Thanks for listening to Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Follow Jeff on Twitter at Jeff Allen underscore 88 on Facebook at Jeff Allen 88. And Jeff Allen Sports Talk is brought to you exclusively by Kramer's Salve for Dogs. Does your dog itch, suffer from debilitating skin allergies, or trouble hot spots? We have the solution using the healing power of neem. Kramer's Salve is a safe and natural approach to help your best friend live an itch-free life. Go to KramerSalve.net to order today with new low pricing. That's K-R-A-M-E-R-S-A-L-V-E dot net.